Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. Regardless of what we're consciously thinking about when we're consuming foods, our brains are responding in ways that we're not even imagining. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, sugar and the brain. Fascinating article came out about the attractiveness to human beings of fat and sugar in foods. And uh, I'll take both. Er, yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> most of us do, right? But what's interesting, you know, we, we know that over the past years, right, there's been this uh, attempt to replace fats in foods uh, and having low fat and no fat. And of course, the way they compensate for that, they replace the fat with sugar. And what this study by Eric Stice and his colleagues elegantly demonstrated that if you take, actually they were using milkshakes in this particular experiment, all the milkshakes were matched in terms of the total caloric content, and yet they replaced the sugar with fat in different amounts and looked at the way people responded to these milkshakes in terms of their responses in their brain and incredible dopamine release when they were drinking sugared milkshakes, right? not so much with fat. Well, it, the fat just didn't matter so much. Right. The sugar drove the response, which is fascinating for a couple of reasons, right? The first, of course, is just if what you're trying to do is to get people to eat in a more healthy way and you think, well, we got to cut down on fat because that's going to be associated with cholesterol and all sorts of other things. And then what you do instead is to replace it with sugar, which is something that's driving people to want to take in more calories. Then inadvertently, you're putting people in a, in a psychological situation in which they're going to want to ingest more calories than they can burn off. And doing it in a way in, in this particular study that illustrates the fact that regardless of what we're consciously thinking about when we're consuming foods, our brains are responding in ways that we're not even imagining is right. happening, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think most of us would imagine that it, other than the actual conscious responses we have to food, that this is delicious or I want more of that or I don't or whatever, that in fact, different neurotransmitters are being released in response to different foods in ways that we are not entirely, well, not at all aware of most and, of the time. And what's fascinating is, you know, when the brain is responding, what it's really trying to do, it, the brain isn't really trying to give you a pleasurable response. What the brain is trying to do is to figure out what it is it's supposed to learn in this situation. Exactly. And so when your brain releases all of this dopamine, a lot of what it's doing is telling it, remember this and do this again when the situation comes up. And so when you get that huge response from that milkshake, what it really does is to put you in a situation where you start craving milkshakes when you see a milkshake you really want to drink it part of what's happening is in this drive to make the food healthier that you replace the fat with sugar you put people in a situation in which the brain then learns eat more of that sugary stuff right and and that's why it backfires and then people don't know why they think i'm but I'm eating fat-free food. Right. And of course, all of this has an evolutionary history because of the scarcity of good sources of sugar and for, for a long period of time. And, and now, of course, that sugar is found in abundance. I mean, we can get sugar very easily in contemporary society, at least in industrialized world. And so now it's understandable that those vestiges of our evolutionary past, which taught us to go get more sugar because it's rare that you're going to encounter such an opportunity, are now functioning to our detriment. Right. And this is just an example of why it is that 
it can be very difficult to control our behavior in a modern environment that is so radically different from the environment in which the brain mm -hmm. developed in the first place. And food is one of the places where you really see that because uh, food, because of, of modern agricultural practices, food has become fairly cheap and fairly plentiful so that it, it, we're, we don't have the kinds of scarcity in this culture you know, it's not that there aren't places in the world where this happens, of course. But, but, but in this culture, we don't have that kind of scarcity. And our brains then lead us to do things that seemed like a good idea 150,000 years ago and uh, aren't such a good idea anymore. Right. Let's talk a little bit about um, sweeteners, artificial mm. sweeteners. Do they have any effect on the brain in the way that our brains well, receive sugars? That's one way to create a trick, right? Mm -hmm. Because what are brains are doing is responding through our taste receptors to what it is that we're eating. So if you create a taste that simulates a taste of a natural thing like sugar and you create aspartame or whatever other kinds of things people do that create that sense of sweetness, I suppose the brain will respond if it's responding to the taste receptors. Now, of course, it's not going to have the same effect perhaps on other systems in the body because the other systems recognize that this is in fact not sugar. But but not. actually, this, this actually causes a problem because part of what happens is, again, and remember that what the brain is trying to, to do is to predict the future and then react to the future. So it's not just the case that this artificial sweetener gives me this sensation of a delicious sweet taste. It actually is an alert to the body that there's about to be a significant violation of homeostasis. All right, there's a big word. What does this mean? Your body wants to stay within sort of a, a particular set of parameters. And if I throw a bunch of sugar at it, I actually run the risk of doing harm to my body. That's why a diabetic it has to monitor uh, their blood sugar because, because having too much sugar in the blood can actually be a problem. So if, if I get an alert from, the, from my brain telling me I'm about to get a big influx of sugar, then the brain sends a message down to my pancreas saying, get busy and produce some insulin. And so you actually drop your blood sugar in preparation for all the sugar that's about to come in through the stomach. So you've got this red alert going, arr, arr, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and now you, 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 the, the pancreas re, uh, uh, releases the insulin, the, your blood sugar level drops, and then, and then your body's sitting there going, what? Where's my sugar? Where's, <laughs> Where's my sugar? Where's the sugar? <laughs> and so now, right, so now your body is confused because it's got to drive your blood sugar back up. So now it says, you better eat something <laughs> because I've, I've got a, a drop in blood sugar. So yeah. it's, it's actually not such a good idea to trick your brain. Next week, we'll discuss odd facts about data and the brain with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford are our engineers. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.